Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Good morning. It's great to be here. Um, worshipping with you guys was phenomenal. Loved the prayer. Had a great time already this morning. Those who don't know me, my name's Sean. Uh, I usually worship at West in Penketh, and I started following Jesus about six years ago when he delivered me from a cocaine addiction. Before that, I was total atheist. Thank you. Total atheist, addicted to drugs. Christ came, saved me, turned my life around, and now I'm here worshiping and praying with you guys. What a, what a good God we serve. What a good God we serve. Okay, so we're in a uh, series... Um, just 10. So we're looking at the 10 commandments and we're looking at the um, application to us today. So why they're still important for us to follow today. Yeah. Um, And today's is you shall not steal. And you'll find it in Exodus chapter 20 verse 15. You shall not steal. And when I watched J. John's message on this and, and read through the notes, It's going to feel a little bit this morning, like this morning's commandment is the money message, okay? Um, And I just want to say, I know I've I've been in this place. When the preacher starts talking about money, sometimes we can feel a little bit, why are we talking about money? That's not spiritual. I want to hear about spiritual things, yeah? Money's important to God. There are, and for the simple fact that it can be used for great good or great evil, There are twice as many verses dedicated to the subject of money in the Bible than to faith and prayer combined. So if you combined the Bible verses to talk about faith and prayer, there are more verses that talk about money, 2,350, roughly, about money. And Jesus spoke more about money than he did about heaven and hell. So clearly, as Christians, we believe that the Bible is God's word, God has an interest in what we do with our money, okay? And that's why it's important that we talk about it. And so the commandment from, from God is, you shall not steal. And, and when I was sort of handed this particular assignment, and I was spending time in prayer, I thought, what is the heart behind that command? So some of you might be familiar with when Jesus did the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, there's a section of it where he starts to um, sort of expand a little bit on the commandments. So he says, you have heard it said, you shall not murder, but I say to you, don't even get angry. And then he said, you've also heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I say to you, don't even lust. So my question to God was, had the author of Matthew continued that and had Jesus say, oh, and you've also heard it said, you shall not steal, but I say to you, how would he have followed? And the obvious um, conclusion you might draw from that is covetousness. You might think, oh, well, you know, coveting leads to stealing so maybe the heart behind that is don't covet but there is an element of that yes but then there's a command later on to not covet so there's got to be a little bit more than just coveting so for me I think J. John's got it pretty much spot on behind the temptation to steal lies a desire for uh, prosperity but wanting prosperity through means that don't honor God 
So the title of today's message is How to Prosper with a Clear Conscience. Not stealing, okay? So that throws up a couple of questions. First one, what do we mean by prosperity? Yeah, what do we mean when I say how to prosper? We'll start with that one because that can be quite a contentious subject within the church, okay? Prosperity, the word itself, can sometimes start controversial conversations. So let me tell you what um, I think biblical prosperity is. Through studying the scriptures, there are a number of words used in the Old Testament, the Hebrew, and one or two in the, in the Greek New Testament that are translated in, in our English translations as prosper or prosperity for various different things. Sometimes um, the Bible's talking about um, pr- winning a battle. Sometimes it's talking about having lots of children. Other times it relates to financial means. But the general meaning behind prosper in the scriptures is to succeed. Yeah? So how to succeed. And when we're talking about financial or material matters, given the context, the majority of the time, what the word is saying is having everything that you need. Okay? So when the Bible talks about being in prosperity in terms of finance and material, it's having everything that you need. Not that you want, but what you need. So, if today you have enough money to afford a home, whether it's mortgaged or rented, um, you have enough money to pay for food, for your, your heating, your hot water, the, the essential things, probably um, a phone and a means of transport and access to the internet in today's society. If, if you have that covered, then believe it or not, you are living in biblical prosperity. Okay? And in this room, there are possibly three different groups of people. You might find yourself in one of these three groups. One group is living in prosperity. So once all the essential stuff's covered, you can do all that and you've got a little bit left over um, for a little bit of fun and doing whatever you want to do, yeah? There'll be some people in the room perhaps who aren't there. There may be some people in this room who even meeting the essentials every month, that's a struggle. And then there'll be other people who can meet the essentials and have then been blessed with a generous amount of finance left over. So there's probably three different types of people. And the challenge for you today, having heard this message, will vary depending on which group you find yourself in. So, for example, if you are currently living in a place where um, you're not in prosperity, like the money coming in doesn't even cover the basics, yeah? Then what you will sort of be hoping to get from today is a means to which you can move into that place of living in prosperity. I have all that I need, yeah? Um, if you're already there, then perhaps for you, the challenge might be to move further so that you can receive more and then use that to advance God's kingdom because the challenge for the people who are living beyond prosperity, so you have all you need and you also have plenty left over in reserve, the challenge for you is how do I use all this extra to advance the kingdom of God and and not advance my own mini kingdom? Yeah? Okay. So, there is nothing wrong with wanting prosperity in a godly sense. So wanting to be in that place of having everything that we need. Where things go awry 
is when we start trying to get there through means that don't honor God. Okay? So that's what we mean by do not steal. It goes wrong when we, we have this godly desire to be in a place of prosperity because we believe that that's what God wants for us, but we want to get to it through stealing. Okay? So second question that gets thrown up then from today's message, what do we mean by steal? What counts, in, in God's sense, as stealing? Okay, let me start with the um, Oxford Dictionary definition. The action or offence of taking another person's property without permission or legal right and without, retending, sorry, without intending to return it. So that's theft, yeah? It is much broader than seeing something that belongs to somebody else, whether it's money or a particular item, and taking it and running away with it without permission. It, it covers a lot more than that, okay? It's not limited to this, but I'm going to read you a little bit of what would be considered theft. Claiming benefits that you're not entitled to. Taking a sick day off work when you're not really ill. Downloading or streaming movies, sports, TV shows, carry on, um, illegally. Defaulting on loans and credit card payments. All these things would be considered stealing. And they're just a few examples. And the reason that we do, and this morning isn't to beat people up. Just let me say that. Like, I've, I've probably done all of them at some point in the past. The reason we do it is because we want to get to that place of prosperity, but we have um, an aversion, if you like, to doing it by God's means. And I believe this morning there are three things that we need to get better at and that we might have an aversion to in order to reach prosperity, but in a way that honors God, okay? Uh, they all start with a W, and there are three, because obviously that's what good preaching looks like. Um, and the three things are working, waiting, and worshiping God, okay? So that's what we're going to look at this morning. These, following these three things should get us into that place of prosperity, working, Waiting and worshipping God. We'll start with work. In Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Okay, a couple of disclaimers though before I carry on with this. Myself and the rest of the church understand and appreciate completely that some people can't work, yeah? You're in a place where due to either physical conditions or mental health conditions, you cannot work. That, that's, that's okay. That we understand that, yeah? But for the majority of us, um, one of the God-ordained ways towards achieving prosperity is through work. Oh, also, sorry... Some people do work hard every single day, but don't get paid for it. Mums at home looking after, or dads at home looking after the children, yeah? I can, I can see how, and I know firsthand how hard that work is, and you don't get paid for it. Uh, students, perhaps, studying towards a vocation. It's hard work, but you don't get paid, yeah? So, but for the majority of us, it's work that we need to do to get ourselves to a place of prosperity. In fact, you could argue that God 
created human beings to work, not as our first and primary um, purpose of creation, our, most, our primary purpose is to, is to worship God, but the first instruction that God gave to Adam when he created him was to work, to tend the garden in Eden. And by the way, that instruction came before the fall. So God gave work to Adam before sin came into the world. The curse of the fall did make work more difficult, but even before sin entered the world, God gave man work to do. Work is therefore part of God's perfect creation. Because remember, before sin, everything was perfect. And a part of that perfection was man having work to do. Because it gives us purpose. If you've got work, if you've got stuff to do, you've got purpose. Not our sole purpose, like I said, but using the skills and the abilities that God has given us to work glorifies him. In fact, it even delights God when we do that. I know from myself as a father, you know, God is our father. When I see my boys, I've got two boys, a three-year-old and an 18-month-old, and when I see my three-year-old using God-given gifts, he's, 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 he loves stories. My little boy, he can read a story a few times or we'll read it to him, and then he can recite it word for word without the, and do different voices for the different characters. And when he does that, that delights me. And it's the same with God. When he sees us working using our skills and gifts and abilities, it delights him. And the thief who steals because of an aversion to work is guilty, obviously, not only of theft, but also of slothfulness or laziness. And the Bible has a lot to say about that too. The book of Proverbs, chapter 13 we read that the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. And then Proverbs 21 takes it slightly further, says the desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. So you can see that working will bring us into the place of prosperity and the refusal to work, according to scripture, it's not gonna get us into a good place, yeah? So that's working. Remember we said there's working, waiting, and worshipping. Waiting. We live in a society today where we really don't have to wait for anything. If we're hungry, then you can order fast food, or you can stick something in the microwave. If you want to communicate with people, years gone by, you had to write a letter, send it off, wait for ages for it to come back, Today, it's instant. We've got email, we've got telephone, you can communicate with people straight away. We can travel great distances in a relatively tiny amount of time. We don't have to wait. The best one for um, not having to wait for me, does, does anybody here use the Domino's Pizza app? Is that just me? Just me. Yes, I see a hand, excellent. Okay, when you order a pizza on the Domino's Pizza app, right, there's a thing called the Pizza Tracker. They've even given it a name, it's called Dom. And you can, they update you with every single moment of what's happening to your pizza. So when you first put it in, you get something saying, we've received your order. And then ping, we've started making your pizza. Ping, another notification, we've just put it in the oven. Ping, we're just letting it cool. Like it, it, you get all these because we don't want to wait. 
We don't want to wait. We want to know all the time what's happening, what's happening, what's happening. We, we don't know how to wait anymore. So when we want something that might cost a little bit more than pizza and we don't want to have to wait for it, then what we generally do, because waiting and working takes too long and it requires a bit of sacrifice, we stick it on credit. We take out loans, credit cards, and we, we get the thing that we want. And then what do we get? We get instant gratification. And we like it. So because we like that we've just got that instant gratification, we go and stick some more stuff on credit. And before we know it, if you're not careful, you've got bills mounting up for all this stuff that you've put on credit that we can't afford. And so we default on the payment, and then we've defaulted on the payment, and what have we done? We've broken God's command not to steal. We have to learn to wait. As a church, we have to learn to wait. And Sarah touched on it this morning in, in Psalm 27. At the end, um, the psalmist repeated Wait, wait for the Lord, wait on the Lord. When the Bible talks about waiting for God, there's always an element of trusting in God there as well, yeah? It's not like just standing and waiting for a bus and grumbling about the fact that the bus service is terrible. When we wait for God, we trust in God. Abraham knew what it meant to wait. Going to, if you want to look at, if somebody was to say to me, Sean, quickly, top of your head, somebody in the Bible who demonstrated awesome faith, Abraham would probably come into my mind as somebody who demonstrated great faith. Usually because of the willingness to sacrifice Isaac. Yes, by the way, the, the Abraham story is found in Genesis in the Old Testament for those who, who aren't familiar with it. Um, but also because of his ability to wait on God's promises and wait for God to do what God said he would do. When Isaac, the promised son, was first promised to Abraham, he was 75. Okay? How old was Abraham when Isaac was born? hundred. Abraham waited 25 years for God to come through on doing what he said he would do. And what God has said to us lot in here is, I'm going to provide for you. You're going to get everything that you need. You're going to have your home and your food and what have you, yeah? We just have to learn to wait. Contrast Abraham with people in scripture who didn't know how to or just didn't want to wait. Who have you got? Esau sold his birthright because he was hungry. The prodigal son didn't want to have to wait for his inheritance, wanted it now. This need for instant gratification, the, uh, the aversion, if you like, to wait in, has horrendous consequences. It's, this is always the way with Scripture, with God. His commands are, when Jesus says the commands aren't burdensome, it's because his commands aren't out of um, a want to be cruel or mean or to be a dictator. But these commands come because if we do things that way, life is brilliant. And if we do it our own way, it's always the same. And it's the same with this, with waiting or not waiting. Don't want to wait, want to do it your way, there's going to be consequences. Wait on God, trust me, he'll come through, and it's good. We have to work, we have to wait. Finally, we have to make sure that we're worshipping God and God alone. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, Jesus said this, No one can serve two masters, 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Some translations use the word mammon for money. Uh, mammon has, has been personified in, in, in other early Christian writings as a particular um, spiritual being, but we'll not get into We need to make sure that Jesus is the focus of our love and our worship and that we're not idolizing material wealth and prosperity. Now, of the three um, subjects that I wanted to talk about, the working, the waiting, and the worshiping, this one is probably the most dangerous of the three areas. The reason being, it's the most difficult one to admit to if you're a Christian. I don't mind admitting to sometimes being a little bit lazy, being a little bit impatient. But if, would I admit to perhaps sometimes worshipping mammon, worshipping wealth and material things, when I know that Jesus has said that if I'm doing that, then I can't be worshipping him properly? If I was to say that there are perhaps people in this room who are unwittingly worshipping mammon, then I'm pretty sure that the majority of us would instantly think, immediately, the thought would go through, not me, brother. Not me. I'm not worshipping mammon. But mammon, like all spiritual evil, is deceptive. And it's not a single person in this room who is above deception, by the way. Not one of us. It is vital that we recognize the warning signs of mammon or material wealth worship early. The Apostle Paul, again, writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Listen to this. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. So, how do we know if we are unwittingly being deceived into worshipping mammon or worshipping wealth? The obvious one, if you've got a continual lust for more money, yeah? If, if, if you're continually lusting after more money and more stuff that you don't need, that one's obvious. But then there are some that are not so obvious. If you envy other people's wealth quite regularly, if you constantly have anxiety over finance all the time, always worrying about money, if you are reluctant to use your money to advance God's kingdom. Now, that might be through giving to the church, supporting the church financially. It might be through supporting other charitable work, whatever. If you have a reluctance to use any of your money to advance the kingdom of God, then there's a chance that there's a a struggle with mammon worship. And listen, again, I'm not saying this to shame anybody or to judge anybody. Every single person in this room is vulnerable to doing this, me included. 
So if you have identified with something that I've mentioned in this last section, in, in, in the section of sort of the perhaps being some kind of tie to not wanting to, but you found yourself being deceived by wealth and, and material and, and mammon worship, then either come and speak to me or speak to somebody on your pastoral team and we can pray with you and we can, we can work through that, yeah? But let me give you, let me just share briefly um, a little testimony on a couple of things that I've talked about. So this, this worry over finance and how waiting we know God will come through. So my wife and I, um, since I've become a Christian, we've generally found ourselves in that position where we're in prosperity. Like we've got, we've got just enough. We've never not been able to pay the essential bills, okay? We've always been able to pay the essential. We've never had much left over, but that's fine. That's okay. But recently, we both felt called to go back into full-time study. So my wife's gone to train to be a midwife. I've started Bible college. And we were hoping that what would happen was we'd just easily both get the finance from the, the student finance place. Um, and that we'd worked it all out. We're like, yeah, if you get that and I get that and we get that from the, yeah, yeah, we'll be fine. We'll be okay. We'll stay in this place where we can cover everything. We're not going to have an abundance, but we'll be okay. And then, as it always does, like, you know, best laid plans, started to get things through. Oh, you don't actually qualify for this. There was a question over whether I'd even have the finance to cover the, the Bible college costs. And in all honesty, we got to a place where we were waiting and waiting and praying and hoping that God was just going to come through. And we were looking at it, and I was going, Sarah, you know, if, if this doesn't work, like, we're not just just getting by, we, we can't. Like, we, we can probably feed the kids, but we'll have to move out of the house, or we can stay in the house, but we can't afford to. Like, we were going to be way in the red. We were going to be struggling bad. And we were praying, praying. And then a few weeks ago, this is still before any decisions came through about where our finance would be, and we'd both been a little bit worried about, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed the boys? We walked into church, and our church pastor Dave said, oh, Sean, Sarah, before we start, come here. Um, it's anonymous, but somebody in the church wanted to bless you with this. We hadn't, we, there were a couple of people in the lead team who knew where we were at financially, but it wasn't common knowledge. And it was an envelope. Opened it. It was an Asda voucher for £300. £300 feeds my babies for a month. And I said to Sarah, I said, he, know, he knows what we need. He knows what we need. And he's not going to see you go without. If you keep on honouring him. So we didn't jump into trying to find ways of making money that don't honour him. We just waited and we trusted. And then in that little moment, the Spirit of God said, Sean, sir, I know what you need. Here it is. There we go. I I've, I've provided food for your children. You just keep doing what you need to do. So I want to conclude with this. If we work hard, wait patiently, and direct our worship towards God and God alone, then we will prosper. You will get into a place of prosperity. I'm going to put it in a better way than that by using Jesus' words, and I will finish with this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God bless you, church. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.